Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night, recording this late on Thursday night. Wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything, just in case there was news that that popped in late at night about the Nuggets. Um, there wasn't, and that's good. There was something that happened early this morning, though, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, I want to just follow up on, on the draft a little bit right here. Uh, I think the Nuggets are in a really good spot, and they did a really good job of signing two players or drafting two players that are one, uh, pretty solid people. Uh, like like R.J. Hampton's a a good individual with a, his head on his shoulders, as is Zeke Naji. They're interesting, entertaining. Uh, should be good draft picks for the Nuggets. Um, but two. This was also a really shrewd cap move by the Nuggets to add young talent with two first-round picks late in the draft because those two first-round picks are going to combine for basically what the biannual exception would cost Denver. Um, And that is a really big deal because on top of uh, funneling in the pipeline of young talent with two 19-year-olds who are going to develop while the Nuggets continue to develop. They also have two pieces at the back end of their roster as everything else gets expensive. And those players might be really good in in years three and four of their contracts, while the Nuggets are really just hitting their sweet spot. And that's a really important thing. The timing of this is really good. Uh, I like what Tim Connolly and Calvin Booth did last night. I think it really makes sense from a positional perspective. Uh, RJ Hampton as a, a really a nice slashing six foot five wing. Uh, he's listed as a combo guard and he had the ball in his hands a lot. I think he'll probably just slide to the two most often. Stick a shooting guard, play next to a guy who's more of a facilitator. That will be his ideal role. Uh, but on the Nuggets, he's going to probably be a guy who they're going to want to develop into an off ball shooter kind of in that Malik Beasley role, and take advantage of his athleticism while hoping he turns into a solid defender after building up his body just a little bit. Uh, I like the move there. Zeke Naji, I've also come around on. I think he's going to be a good fit. I thought that he would just be position locked as a center, and I'm not so sure about it anymore because anybody that projects to shoot the way that he projects to shoot has at least a, a potential opportunity to move to the four, especially next to Jokic. Um, if he's a quality rebounder, 
if he can move his feet well enough on the perimeter, then there is some potential there. Uh, the Mason plumley Nikola Jokic pairing was really good in regular season situations. Playoff situations, if people remember, t- to 2018-19, not a great combo. Uh, they got demolished in the playoffs, and, and for good reason. Like Having guards run downhill at guys like that on a consistent basis is a really tough thing. I don't think Zeke Naji is Mason Plumley. I think he has a lot of similar traits in that he's a grinder, he's a hard worker, a good rebounder, will catch lobs reasonably well, but his offensive game is going to be, I think, a lot more natural than what Mason Plumley's was. Plumley was was very kind of uh, abnormal in terms of he was a passer, he wanted to be in the post, but he wasn't a good post scorer. Uh, only in certain situations, in very high advantage situations, could you give him the ball in the post and expect a score. Um, the jump hook was a a, a problem. Um, Najee has really good feet. He has really good feel. Uh, he's athletic. He's a mover. And he's 19 years old above all. So I think that he's going to develop into something... Um, Probably starting as, as or beginning his career in year one or two as a backup center type, but there is potential for him to kind of bridge that gap between playing next to Nikola Jokic and behind Nikola Jokic. Uh, whether he develops as a starter, I'll, I'll talk about that later. But for now, let's. Uh, I want to talk about the free agency plan, and then after that, we're going to get into a Q and A. Uh, that's that's kind of what I have planned for three segments. Should run about 45, 50 minutes. Um, I want to talk about the plan to start off because I think that it's important for everybody to understand where the Nuggets are. If you're tuning into this podcast, then it means that you care about this stuff deeply enough that you're interested in what the Nuggets could do with these next couple of spots that they have to fill. Currently, the Nuggets have 13 players under contract. They have four point guards, Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, and Marcus Howard, who they signed on a two-way contract from Marquette last night. Uh, He's a two-way guy. I wouldn't expect him to play at all, but if there was a fluke injury or maybe the Nuggets had an injury bug, then he's a good, reasonable uh, option to have as a two-way option. They have three shooting guards. Gary Harris, Will Barton, and R.J. Hampton. That's seven guys in the backcourt. They have two small forwards in Michael Porter Jr. and Keita Bates-Diop. Some people think that Porter's a power forward. I, I understand if you think that. Think of him as a forward. And then the Nuggets have one true power forward, and that's Vlatko Chanchar. So they have three total forwards on the roster. And then they have three centers. At least what I have listed as centers. They have Jokic, they have Bol Bol, and they have Zeke Naji. Those guys could play a power forward, but for now, count them as centers. When you look at it like that, the needs become pretty clear. Uh, only two small forwards. Porter is an injury risk. Bates Diop didn't play for Denver last year. The Nuggets probably have to add somebody who can play small forward. One power forward. And the only guy who it is, is Vlako Chanchar, who didn't play at all last year. The Nuggets may have to add two guys who could play capable minutes at power forward. 
One of them I think is pretty simple. I think it's Jeremy Grant. The other is a little bit more difficult. And I think it maybe maybe they have Bull Bull or Zeke Naji move to that spot and play big. Uh, but in that case, then you'd probably want to add another center. They might still want to add another center because Zeke Naji is a rookie and Bull Bull is a guy with injury concerns, just like Porter. So, but that's 13 total players, seven in the backcourt and six in the frontcourt. Usually you want to have more in the front court than the back court. So the Nuggets are in a really tough spot here. Um, it could be cleared up. And the reason why it could be cleared up is because the Nuggets currently have just under $29 million in space under the luxury tax and only four roster spots to fill. They can do that pretty easily. And the way that that disappears is if you assume Jeremy Grant comes back, he'll probably take up about half of that $29 million. That's about $14 million. Eh, maybe, maybe it goes a little bit higher. Maybe it goes a little bit lower. But let's say $14 million to start. That leaves $15 million under the tax and three roster spots to fill. I don't want to put the expectation that the Nuggets will go over the tax. Because I don't think that's fair. And to have fans have that expectation and then have that pulled away from them when the Nuggets decide they want to get under the tax or don't bring in the player that you wanted to bring in, then that's a that's a problem. So but that's 15 million under the tax to fill three spots. There are ways that the Nuggets can create more space, uh, but that's right now where they stand. So let's get into a couple questions about Jeremy Grant specifically. Uh well actually let's let's talk about the worst case scenario. Uh Andy Mack on Twitter asked, what is one thing that could happen that would be the worst case scenario for you? And it's pretty easy. Jeremy Grant walks, and they don't fill that position. Or they they re-sign Paul Millsap and try to just uh, use him as a starter next to Michael Porter Jr. Don't really fill that spot or that competent spot with another solid piece. That would be the worst-case scenario, because Grant really showed his value in the playoffs as a guy who had a lot of utility for a Nuggets team that needs... Guys who are willing to do that hard stuff like guarding on the perimeter and maybe not getting all the touches that they want on the offensive end, but can create if need be. Uh, That would be the worst case scenario by far. And I would be worried for the Nuggets championship odds if Jeremy Grant walked, regardless of who they added. Because Jeremy Grant is the perfect fit next to Michael Porter Jr. Those guys complement each other's strengths, uh, cover up each other's weaknesses. Both are athletic, over six foot nine, and shoot thirty-eight plus percent from three. Porter projects as more of a scorer and rebounder. Uh, Grant projects more as a shooter and defender, off-ball guy who does some of the tough stuff, and that's a really important combination to have. Uh, and both of those guys can defend different types of players. They will be asked to defend different types of players. Grant is the better defender there, and you want him on the perimeter most of the time so that Porter can grab rebounds. That, to me, feels pretty reasonable, and I don't think there are a lot of other pieces that can do what Jeremy Grant can do at a high level, at a starting caliber level, unless they are stars. Maybe somebody like Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, those guys aren't available. Um, 
Robert Covington, he was just traded. Uh, those guys aren't available. Jay Crowder is probably the the next guy up on that tier. Kelly Oubre is probably another guy that could fill that role. But he was just traded as well. Those guys are valuable for a reason. And I keep trying to tell people just how valuable they are. Uh, despite the fact that they may have poor analytics around them, people value those types a lot. A lot. Jeremy Grant needs to come back. Eric Frazier on Twitter asks, what is the status of Jeremy Grant? And I can say that I don't, I don't have any inside information, but what I will say by looking around the league is that there are two teams right now with significant cap space. You have the New, Orleans, the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. Other teams have kind of wiped out their cap space a little bit. Miami projects to re-sign some of their guys, uh, probably Jay Crowder, Goran Dragic. They're going to run it back in all likelihood. Phoenix decided to trade for CP3. Nobody else has freed up additional cap space. And to me, that says that Jeremy Grant's market is going to be a little bit depressed in terms of value. Teams like Detroit, um, Charlotte, they kind of signed on some other pieces and aren't necessarily looking for a player like Jeremy Grant anyway. They just had money at the beginning of the offseason, and now they don't. So my guess and my read on the situation is that teams are looking at Grant and looking at his situation with the Nuggets and deciding to go a different direction for a reason. I think that it's very possible that Grant and the Nuggets have a handshake deal and that they're going to sign something right at the beginning of free agency. I could be wrong. Maybe there's something else that's going on. But to me, it feels like the Nuggets want Grant back. Grant wants the Nuggets back. Uh, Sham Sharania reported earlier in the offseason that they have significant mutual interest. And I think that says it all. That probably turned teams away from Jeremy Grant. Um. I think he will be a nugget. That is my belief. That is my hope. EAR1981 asks, If Jeremy Grant ends up signing somewhere else, though, do you like Zeke Naji as a long-term fit next to Jokic at power forward? I can't really answer that question yet. Um, I don't think so. And here's why. I view Michael Porter Jr. as a versatile forward who can play the three and the four and who probably should be paired with somebody else who also plays the three and the four. When you're talking about Jokic and you're talking about Porter, I think you have to talk about those guys in tandem now, because the Nuggets are certainly branding this thing like they are working in tandem. Uh, Murray as well. It's Murray, it's Jokic, and it's Porter. So does I think the question then has to be asked, does Zeke Naji fit in a lineup that features Jokic, Murray, and Porter? I don't think so. I think he's too big. I don't think he's good enough on the perimeter yet. Maybe he gets there in time, but I wouldn't hold my breath too much. Um, and I could be wrong. Maybe the Nuggets just decide to go with a temporary piece that, that puts Porter defending threes all the time. Uh, Naji is not going to defend threes, though. And that's what Grant is good at. Like, people have compared him to, like, an, an understudy for Jeremy Grant, 
I think he would be more of an understudy for Mason Plumley. Like, I think he fits more into that mold as more of a backup center type who can play power forward a little bit. Not a guy that you want to play there a ton, but plays there a little bit in certain situations. And maybe that's a good enough thing. Maybe that's the way to combat the Lakers. It's to give them a look on occasion that moves Porter to small forward permanently at 6'10". Najee plays power forward at 6'11", and 240-250. And Jokic plays center at 7'250", 260. Um, I can get behind that against a team like the Lakers. If Najee can defend Anthony Davis. If he can't, then that, that, that gets a little bit scary. Um, but you never know. And, and I think that it's important to give these guys realistic expectations out of the gate. The Nuggets wanted a big, and I think the ideal thing to look at with Najee is that I think he fits really well with Bull Bull as a backup, not necessarily as a starter, and that's okay. Uh, if Bull Bull is the starter at power forward, and then Najee is the versatile backup big man, that sounds pretty cool too. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Like I still need to see it from Bull Bull as well, but you never know. And and maybe maybe we're looking at it too far ahead into the future, but Najee is a piece who I think could be I think he could be an integral part of Denver's playoff rotation in 2023. And that's a good sign. Maybe it's earlier than that, and maybe he doesn't end up getting there. But it's probably a good sign that I think that because I was pretty low on him initially, and I've come around. He seems like a good nugget. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to answer more questions about the front court. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we're back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here answering some questions approaching the midnight hour of when free agency is going to start. It's actually starting at 4 p.m. Mountain Time on Friday afternoon. So make sure that you're by a computer at that point. Make sure you're by a computer before that because, and or if you're just checking your phone or whatnot, because I see these deals are probably going to leak around 2.30, a lot of them. And it could be throughout that time. It could be 3, it could be 3.30, but if you remember back in 2019 free agency, which seems like eons ago, um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were announced that they were going to go to Brooklyn before the 4 o'clock hour. So we'll see if that changes things. We'll see what happens now, but I, I would just caution people to, if you're, if you're wanting to make this an event, then set aside some time. Okay, let's get into some more questions. Chandler Jenkins asks, if Paul Millsap leaves, 
how does Denver hope to replace his defensive impact? I've been thinking about this a lot, and it's not a it's not a great answer. Like there is there's not a lot that they can do. The first thing they can do is probably pray, because Michael Porter Jr. will be stepping into a larger role. And that's pretty tough. That's gonna be really interesting to see what Denver does. Um but what I will say is that I think this defense is gonna look a lot different, and they're not gonna be playing the same way. I don't think that Jokic is gonna be as aggressive on the perimeter all the time. I don't think that uh, Jeremy Grant will be stuck defending power forwards all the time. I think he'll be defending more small forwards. Michael Porter Jr., during his time uh, in the rotation during the regular season this past year, he was defending threes. He was sometimes defending twos, depending on like what the matchups were. And I just don't think that's his role going forward. I think that Grant is going to defend the best forward and... Porter will defend the second best forward. Uh, Whoever starts at the two will defend the best guard, and Murray will defend the other guard. And that's fine. That's a a good spot for the Nuggets to be. Um, Let's say it's Dallas. Let's say say the Nuggets are facing the Dallas Mavericks. Is Michael Porter Jr. going to be defending Luka Doncic? No. That would be dumb. He's not going to do that. The Nuggets are going to put Jeremy Grant on Luka Doncic. And they're going to put Michael Porter Jr. on whoever the other forward is. If the Mavericks are playing two bigs, then that means he's probably defending Kristaps Porzingis. Or the other big, maybe. If he's def- or if they're playing one big, then it's probably like, I don't know. Let's, let's say they, they have Maxi Kleba and Kristaps Porzingis. He could defend either of those guys. Both of those guys shoot high percentage from three. And Jokic is going to have to defend the other one. And the Nuggets are just going to have to figure it out. That's a tough matchup. But it's not any easier if Paul Millsap is on the floor. Like, Kristaps Porzingis is still 7'3", and he's still going to shoot over Paul Millsap. Maybe he has more of an issue defending or getting over uh, Jeremy Grant. Or actually, no, Grant is on Doncic. Um, Maybe it's more of an issue getting it over Michael Porter Jr., who's 6'10", 6'11", can keep up with him on the perimeter. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, if it's the Lakers, then you're you're in a tough situation because if they're starting a center, Jokic is probably defending that center. Michael Porter Jr. is probably defending AD. And Jeremy Grant is probably defending LeBron. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, it's a not great situation. But that's a very specific situation. And the Nuggets will be in a situation where they have a really good offensive matchup because if they're spreading the floor with Grant and Porter and they have Jokic in the middle, then that means that either a center is defending Jokic and it's not the normal guy, or that means a, a player, or it means AD is on Jokic and that means a center is guarding Michael Porter Jr. or Jeremy Grant. So Denver has ways that they can create offense against everybody. Defense is going to be tougher, um, but I think role changes for different players, Michael Porter Jr. taking a step forward, and then maybe there's a trade to be made. Maybe the Nuggets don't have that answer on their roster. Maybe they're still waiting for a guy. Um, It's tough, though. They're going to probably change up their defensive scheme and their offensive scheme. I don't see them heading back into this year 
with the same principles or maybe the same principles, but they're, they're going to go about things differently. Michael Porter Jr. fundamentally changes things for this team. L. Wolf asks, does Bull Bull get anything other than garbage time minutes? Yes, I do think that he will get stuff other than garbage time minutes, but I don't think he will be a consistent rotation player. I think the Nuggets are going to be aggressive in free agency and trying to add more pieces in the front court. Um, As I mentioned, they have uh, three forwards on the roster right now. Add a fourth if you add Grant. And then they have three centers on the roster in Jokic, Bull, and Najee. They're probably adding a backup center. They're probably adding a backup forward. Uh, they might even add a, a two backup forwards, given the given the importance of having athletic forwards on the roster. So, I think there's definitely there's definitely some stuff there. Um, I would be I would be. I don't think that Bull is going to be entirely put into garbage time, but I also don't think that he's going to have an entire rotation spot to himself. It might be like what Michael Porter Jr. had where it took him a long time to get into the rotation. And when he was in the rotation initially, it was about uh, either one stretch in the first half or two short stretches in both in both halves. By the end of things, he was playing a lot more. He was playing consistently 15 to 30 minutes a game. And that's great. That's what the Nuggets want uh, from Porter. It's very possible that Bol Bol can't handle that workload. And the Nuggets need to find that out. They need to find out if he can defend. Um, if he can, then great. He might be a consistent guy, but I would wait on that just a little bit. Micah Barber asks, who is one guy in free agency that no one is talking about for the Nuggets that you think could be targeted and provide useful bench minutes? Now I'm going to give a name here that people are going to probably cringe at. People are probably going to be like, what the hell, Ryan? You're supposed to get us excited about the offseason. You're supposed to be like you're supposed to be hyping things up. And the thing is, I want the player that the Nuggets to grab to not be perfect because I want the Nuggets to have a reason for Bull Bull to play and for Zeke Naji to play and for those guys to develop but not play all the time. Like you want a veteran to come in who Michael Malone feels like he can trust but maybe doesn't feel like he has to play him all the time. And the name I'm going to give is Ursan Ilyasova. Ursan was just a part of a package for Bogdan Bogdanovich that fell through. He's on the Milwaukee Bucks. He's been a consistent rotation player for the Bucks these past couple years. He played 16 minutes per game, has really strong rebounding numbers, shot 59% true shooting, 36% from three. He wasn't a playoff rotation member. He was a guy who really helped them get through the regular season, but wasn't going to be as useful in the playoffs. I think that player fits in Denver's rotation next year, especially if they decide that they want to go a different direction than Paul Millsap, if they want to go a different direction than Mason Plumlee. Uh, You want to add a guy who's a veteran. You want that player to hit threes. You want that player to be a solid rebounder, and you want them to be pretty steady. Ilyasova is the picture-perfect backup big-slash-forward that you're looking for, and you're not looking for too much. 
you have a set amount of expectations, and you go into it, and he fulfills it most of the time. And that is great. That is what the Nuggets need to get through the regular season. But they also don't need somebody who's going to block their young talent from showcasing it. He's a quality vet. He would give the bench shooting, rebounding, experience. Uh, He'd be a good teacher. Uh, I also think he's a decent fit. Because I, I don't know where the Nuggets are from a rotation perspective. I have a couple of guesses. But... Ilyasova's a guy who could potentially be a part of the rotation. He might not be. Depending on the matchup, depending on the team, depending on the night, I think those are the players that the Nuggets are going to target because they have their starting five kind of settled on. You have Murray. You have one of Harris or Barton. You have Porter. You have Grant. You have Jokic. You have somebody that you think is going to fill backup point guard. You have somebody that you, like... The other of Harris or Barton, most likely, that you think is going to fill the backup shooting guard slash small forward spot. And then Malone likes to mostly run a nine-man rotation. Ursan Ilyasova could be that guy. Uh, he makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. Uh, you need two more guys who would, who would be versatile pieces off the bench. One's more of a traditional power forward. One's more of a traditional center. Uh... Maybe they add a third guy and, and get a little bit frisky, uh, but I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But Ursan's a name who I think would be a player kind of off the wall that nobody's really talking about right now, that he just got waived by Milwaukee, and or they didn't pick up his player or the, his team option or whatever it was, um, and he's now available, and maybe he makes sense. C.T. Fazio asks, Best guess at a front court rotation. This is tough because everything is in such flux right now. Um, but I'm going to just assume that Michael Porter Jr. and Jeremy Grant are starting at forward. Nikola Jokic is starting at center. So the real question that you have to ask is whether Michael Malone is going to start three backups or two. And I think it's mostly going to be two, but he'll probably want to have other options in order to make it work. If it's two then I don't think either Najee or Bull is going to be a part of that. So cross that off. Uh, they'll probably play on occasion. They'll probably split time, maybe as that fifth guy. But I also think it kind of depends on the role that Malone and Connolly foresee in Bull and Najee in the future. Is one of them playing all the time? Are, they, are neither of them playing at all? Are both of them playing together? I think those two together off the bench is actually kind of an intriguing fit. Because it gives the Nuggets some athleticism, some shooting, some versatility, and some defense. And having those two players grow together could be a good idea. But I also think that Michael Malone probably doesn't want to play Bull Bull and Najee consistent minutes and having to rely on them every single night. That'd be really tough on him. And for good reason. So, if I had to guess, if I had to... Pick something that I thought made sense. I would say that Denver adds three players to their front court, and all of them could see time at various points in different situations. If the Nuggets need to face a big wing, then they play their small forward backup. If they need to face a four, Ursan Ilyasova is going to play, or whoever fits that role. Um, if they need to face another big and they don't trust either of their guys currently on the roster, then they fill that piece with a traditional big man. 
So I don't think it's going to be a consistent rotation. That's kind of my read on this thing is that the starting five, whatever it ends up being, is going to be consistent. The bench will be less consistent. Denver has so much talent right now. They've got so much young talent that I think they they feel like they could mix and match in different situations. Like P.J. Dozier, not currently in my rotation. He could definitely play. Definitely has the capability to. He's good enough and probably should. Um, but if I were to pick three vets off the wall that kind of make sense for the formula that I'm talking about, it's Mo Harkless at small forward, Ursan Ilyasova at power forward, and Alex Len at center. All three project to be relatively cheap. Not all three of those guys would always play, unless Malone decided to go with the 10-man rotation and didn't trust the young guys. I think he probably will, though. I think if you had all three of those guys, then they can mix and match and maybe not play all the time, but play sometimes. And You're looking for different situations. Uh, this season is going to be tough, and I, I think that because of the condensed schedule, because you're playing 72 games in five months, uh, if anybody on the team gets coronavirus or multiple players, then you're going to want a lot of playable options. So giving the team the opportunity to play some of those options and giving Malone an opportunity to have quality pieces, I think it's really important. Maybe the Nuggets just re-signed Torrey Craig. Maybe they just re-signed Paul Millsap and Mason Plumley. But for some reason, I don't think they're going to run it back that way. I don't think that's the plan. They might sign one of those guys. They might sign multiple. But I, I would be surprised if they re-signed all three, despite the fact that I think they could fit it under the tax. Um, and we're going to talk about another guy who I think is going to be on this roster uh, in the backcourt, Fagundo Campazzo. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. numbers ryan blackburn here final segment these next three questions are going to be about the backcourt they're going to be about what i think the nuggets are going to do there and there was also some news that i think it's a rumor it's not necessarily like fully going to happen but enough people have sourced it that i think it's probably going to happen so let's talk about it um jordan scott and and joker world both of them asked does the news of a possible Facundo Campazzo signing indicate a potential trade on the horizon? So let's talk about Facundo real quick. Uh, his name, his nickname is Facu. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to call him Campazzo from now on. Um, he's currently playing for Real Madrid. Um, 
He's Argentine. He's Argentinian. Um, I don't want to talk about him too much because I don't think that I I don't want to be caught talking about the wrong player and the wrong rumor and having it fall through. Uh, because I think this has major ramifications for the Nuggets if they decide to sign him, if they decide to bring him over. Um, he is one of the best players in Europe. Uh, he is an elite passer. He's a jitterbug point guard who's about 5'10", 5'11". Uh, doesn't necessarily have an NBA body, but is a little bit more NBA ready, I think, than a Milos Teodosic, who came over and really didn't have a good experience when he was here. Um, his career statistics are thus. Um, over his uh, in, in his past season with Real Madrid, uh, 2018-19, he averaged uh, 8.7 points, 5.2 assists, 2.6 rebounds. Um, he shot 89.3% from the free throw line, 37.4% uh, from three. Uh, let's just list off some of the awards that he's won. Uh, he won the uh, ACB Finals Most Valuable Player Award. He won the EuroLeague Monthly MVP Award in 2019. Uh, he's a two-time EuroLeague champion. He's a two-time All-Spanish League second-team guy. Uh, he's two-time All-Spanish League champion. Uh, he is. He has won on the Argentina national team. He won silver in the World Cup with Argentina. I think they beat Serbia this past year in, in, in FIBA. Like, he is one of the best players in Europe right now. And... It would be a great signing if the Nuggets brought him on. I think he's he's a good player, and I think he, he might be ready to contribute to a winning team right now. The biggest problem with this, though, is that, as I outlined in the roster section in the first segment, the Nuggets have seven guys in their backcourt. They have four point guards right now. Campasso's 5'10", 5'11". He is not a point guard. or he, No, he is a point guard through and through. He's nothing else. That would bring the total to five. Uh, you would have Murray. You would have Campasso. You would have Monte Morris. You would have P.J. Dozier. And Marcus Howard, who doesn't really count. He's, he's on a two-way contract. But Murray, Campasso, Morris, P.J. Dozier. That is too many guys. That is too many guys. And given the fact that we project that Porter's going to start a small forward and Grant's going to be the be back at power forward, that also probably moves Will Barton to the bench. I would expect Gary Harris to start at shooting guard most likely, which means that Barton would be coming off the bench. And we're going to talk about Barton real quick because he's got some stuff too. Um, but Campazzo would not be coming over from Europe if he didn't play. He wouldn't be the third point guard. Like the Nuggets would be bringing him over to play. They'd be bringing him over to contribute. If they do bring him over, he's going to take part of the MLE when he's here. And that's Denver's biggest chip for adding a piece. If he is that piece that they are adding to the roster, then that means he is playing. And that means that Denver is too small in the backcourt at that point, And they have too many guys. We've long talked about whether Monte Morris would be getting an extension with the Nuggets, whether he would be a guy that they could possibly move because they didn't expect to keep him. Uh, we heard that the Nuggets were looking to trade up into the top of the draft, 
or at least into the top 10. I don't think that was just because of Drew Holiday. I think there was probably a player that they might have wanted to trade up for. They just didn't pay all of the assets that they would have needed to. If they knew that they were going to bring in Campazzo, then my guess is that Monte Morris was in part of those packages because he is in the last year of his deal and the Nuggets would need to pay him. They would need to pay him like the legit backup point guard that he is. Um, He has aspirations for starting. And it's very possible that he wouldn't want to come back to the Nuggets anyway because he wants to be a starter. As great as the relationship between the Nuggets and Monte Morris have been, like he may just have want to move on because he has aspirations. He has a belief in himself for being a starting point guard for an NBA team. And that's just not going to happen while Murray is here. Murray is their point guard. Not their shooting guard, their point guard. He's not going to move over for almost anybody. I think that this is an addition, this Campasso. I think that he's an addition that frees up the Nuggets to do some interesting stuff in in this offseason. And I think that Monte Morris is probably somebody that they may move. They would probably do right by him. They'd probably want to send him to a place that would give him an opportunity. That would be a good place for him. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what their plan is. I thought that it might be Kelly Oubre. I talked about that earlier today. Kelly Oubre was moved to the Golden State Warriors for a protected first-round pick. Danny Green is also on the OKC Thunder. And we can talk about the next guy, Will Barton, real quick. But Danny Green would be a good fit in Denver. As a veteran on a one-year contract who deserves to play rotation minutes and is a really good piece, And Monte Morris and Will Barton would be good pieces for OKC, whether they want to keep them or flip them. That is something that uh, might be be interesting for both teams. Um, Let's move on, though, because I don't want to talk too much about Campazzo. Like, if he gets signed, he gets signed, and we we can talk about it then. But it does kind of look like all indications are pointing to that Campazzo will be a nugget. at some point during this free agency period. So let's keep an eye on that. Peter Martin asks, did you see Will deleted all Nuggets stuff from his social media? He's of course talking about Will Barton. Um, Yeah, I did. And it's not really a great look for what's going on right now. Um, Barton didn't play for the Nuggets in the bubble. He sustained a knee injury that was really bothersome. And he... The rehab process wasn't going well in the bubble, so he left the bubble, tried to rehab in Miami. Um, Everything since then has been very mysterious. Uh, Obviously, he's taken down posts on Instagram. He hasn't said anything about the Nuggets on Twitter since August, or he's at least deleted those posts since the time that I looked at his profile, like, two hours ago. August was three months ago, and that was when he left the bubble. And the Nuggets were at a really interesting point where he left the bubble kind of around the the game two time against Utah, and I don't know what happened. And it has been very mysterious, and something is going on. I don't know if it's bad, I don't know what it is, but something happened. 
And regardless of all the mystery, like to taking that out, taking that away for a second, uh, the Nuggets were always going to be in a tough situation because Michael Porter Jr. has got to play. Like he, he just has to. He's a future star. He has been deemed untouchable by the Nuggets. And if he's deemed untouchable, they're going to start him. Like that's what they're going to do. Um, and because of that, Barton and Harris were always going to probably, like, there's always probably going to be something where one of them would have to come off the bench. Because Murray's not coming off the bench, Porter's not coming off the bench, Jokic is not coming off the bench, and they need Grant in there to kind of be the, the big wing defender. Neither Barton nor Harris are those guys. The Nuggets organization has been promoting a lot of MPJ right now. He was in the red jersey with the, the marketing team, and He's had various graphics put out there. I haven't seen Harris or Barton in those graphics. Um, just facts. Like I, I don't want to read into too much of that, but like that's that, that's the choice that the Nuggets marketing team is doing. It's the choice that the Nuggets are doing. The Drew rumors are also part of this business. The Nuggets struck out on Drew Holiday, but if they traded for him, it absolutely would have meant that it would have included either Harris, Barton, or both. And that might have affected some of that relationship. It might not have. I don't have that on authority. On authority, I don't have solid information on that. But there's something going on. Whatever the case, Barton right now, he's on a one plus one contract. He has one more year with a player option. If the Nuggets decide to go forward with Porter, which all indications have pointed that they do, one of Harris or Barton is going to be coming off the bench, or they're going to be moved. There's just not really a great feeling coming from either side on this discussion, on these conversations. And it started at the beginning of the bubble, uh, might have even started before that. But I I would watch that, I would monitor that. Um, it's really sad, but we just saw the Nuggets draft RJ Hampton. They're in rumors for Facundo Campazzo. Uh, writing's on the wall a little bit. Mario asks, Bogdan Bogdanovich, question mark? Any interest in Bogdan or from the Nuggets? Or from Bogdan or the Nuggets? Uh, do you want to do a sign-and-trade with Sacramento? Uh, I've, I've talked about this on Twitter a little bit, but sign-and-trades aren't really a great fit for Denver because of their cap holds with guys. Um. If they decide that they don't want to bring any of those guys back at all, then maybe it works. But I don't think that they're going to do that. I think that the the math on that just doesn't really work. And here's here's what I'm thinking with it. Because right now the Nuggets have, um, let's just let's just outline this right now. Right now, if the estimates for Zeke Naji's contract and R.J. Hampton's contract are correct. That means that Denver's projected salary is $103.8 million, which gives them uh, just, just under $5 million, or just over $5 million in cap room, basically. Um, if they signed Jeremy Grant, then that would mean, uh, let's, say, let's say he gets $14 million in his first contract. That would mean that would put them $9 million over the tax. Or nine million over the salary cap, which means that any player that they bring in on a sign and trade, that money would have to work so that 
whatever they signed out would have to exceed what they bring back in order to fit it under the under the bill. Um, I don't expect that to work. <laughs> I, I could be wrong about it, but there is not a lot of room for the Nuggets to make this all work. And maybe I have the sign and trade rules wrong. If somebody hears this podcast and is like, what the hell are you talking about? Then comment to me on Twitter. Let me know. Um, but that's my belief is that the sign and trade would be impossible if the Nuggets basically wanted to bring back Jeremy Grant. And I don't think the Nuggets are going to sign and trade for a guy that doesn't necessarily project as a starter in Denver over a guy that already is or would be in Grant. Um, Bogdan is probably better than what Gary Harris or Will Barton are giving you for the next couple years, but he's not a great fit. He's not a great defender. He'd want the ball in his hands a little bit. Despite the fact that he would be a great fit with Jokic, I'm not sure if he's also a great fit with Porter and Murray. That's just kind of my read on things. I think he's in a good spot if he wants to go to Milwaukee. Like that's that's the thing that I would do if I was him. Um, he could win a championship there, and he could be a cult hero there. Like that that sounds like a great situation for him. Um, that may not be what he wants, but it is what it is. Okay, final question before we get out of here. Which wings are the Nuggets targeting in free agency? This was Julio who asked this on Twitter. Um, It's so difficult to figure out exactly how this is going to go for the sole reason that the Nuggets could just decide to bring it back all of their guys and they'd be fine. Like, if they brought back Torrey Craig, Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley, and just started Porter and Grant as opposed to taking them off the bench, then I think Denver's in a good spot. They wouldn't be perfect. I think that Millsap and Plumley showed the holes in their game in the bubble, and you want to be able to fill those holes as well as possible if you're a championship contender, if you believe it. Um, maybe the Nuggets see that differently. Maybe they decide to bring all of those guys back, and there's no more money to find for any of these guys that I'm about to say. But and maybe Tory Craig is is the guy that they want. Like that could very much be what they decide to do. But I'm gonna bring up some cheap names, and the reason why. I mentioned guys like Mo Harkless in the last segment. Uh, he's an interesting, relatively cheap option. I think the Nuggets, because of the Campazzo signing, if that's something that goes through, he would take up most of the mid-level exception money. And because the Nuggets, because the Nuggets don't have any money over the cap, or because they're already over the cap, if Campazzo takes most of the MLE, then the Nuggets need cheap options. Guys in the three, four, five million range, probably just like three to four. That would be what I guess. Uh, here's a list of cheap veteran options on the wing that might make sense for that price. The aforementioned Mo Harkless is one of them. Six foot seven, six foot eight, athletic, uh, kind of afraid of his own jump shot, but if he starts hitting shots, then then he's a a good piece to have. Uh, Courtney Lee, veteran who's been on a variety of teams, uh, makes sense as kind of a three and D wing. Marco Bellinelli, he's probably gone from San, from San Antonio. They're going to go young. Marco, if he decides to go anywhere, maybe he decides to go to Denver. 
it would be an interesting place for him. I don't think he'll he'll want to sign here, but you never know. Uh, Wes Matthews, he is probably going to go to L.A. to sign with the Lakers. He wants a championship, and it's pretty clear. Uh, he went to Milwaukee, and then he went to L.A., or is rumored to go there at least. He'd be a good fit, but not a great fit while Gary Harris is here and while Will Barton is here, so grain of salt. Etwan Moore is another one. He's been a really good shooter for a long time. If the Nuggets are looking to upgrade on their shooting, he's a guy I would look at. Kent Bazemore is somebody that I've always had my eyes circle on. Uh, he's not a great fit for what this roster needs, but if they're looking for somebody who can be a, a quality defender while hoping that his jump shot comes around, then then maybe that's the guy. I doubt it. I kind of doubt it. Uh, Justin Holiday might be out of their price range, probably is the priciest option here. Um, but you never know. Maybe he's a guy who saw the Nuggets going after Drew Holiday and thought, hey, I'd, I'd kind of like to play with that team. Uh, he'd be a good option as a defensive counter to Michael Porter Jr. as the offensive option at small forward. Um, James Ennis is another one. He's more of a small forward, power forward type. Uh, didn't shoot the ball well in Orlando. Kind of, kind of went to die in Orlando. But he was good in Philly before that. So maybe that's an option to revisit. And then Solomon Hill, another more kind of small forward, power forward type. He could be a, a more physical guy, uh, somebody who gives them a, a brand of physical defense, uh, a grinder on in, on the inside, gets them to be that toughness spot. Uh, Tim Connolly has said that they want basketball IQ, toughness, and defense in free agency. And a lot of that, a lot of those traits also cover Torrey Craig, Mason Plumley, Paul Millsap. So maybe the guys that they decide to add are the guys that are still on, like, connected to them. But some of those are options on the wing that the Nuggets might consider. I would consider them. I think my choice would be Harkless if I had to pick one, or Justin Holiday if he was if he was uh, available. That would be a good option for Denver. Um, but that's all I have. Um, no news has come out from what I can see. Let's check Twitter real quick just in case I have to react to something. Nope. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of the Nuggets Numbers Podcast. Uh, make sure to follow Denver Stiffs for all this coverage. We're, we're going to continue to put out great coverage over the course of these couple days. Uh, covering every rumor, covering everything. Uh, already had Facundo Campazzo news on Twitter. Uh, we covered the draft, had a good time with that. Going to continue putting out some good content. Uh, but that's going to do it for right now. And we'll talk to you guys probably very soon. Yeah.